Hearings by video conference. Is this the future? Warm welcome to the latest episode of Cartmel's In Conversation. I'm Lara Elder, a senior associate in the Trademarks team, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Life Sciences partner Isabel Barry and Jonathan Day, partner in Trademarks. Our subject for today is hearings by video conference, or VICO as everyone is now calling it, which has become something of a a hot topic in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm going to be asking Isabel and John to share some of their recent experiences at the European Patent Office and General Court, and how these experiences compare to the old world where everything was done in person. So Isabel, nice to have you here. Um, start, starting with you, um, like like many of our patent attorneys, you've spent inordinate amounts of time over the years visiting the European Patent Office in, in Munich for oral proceedings. But I, I suppose the pandemic has changed all that somewhat. And I guess my first question would be, are, are proceedings by video conference a new thing at the European Patent Office? Yes, well, they're um, they're certainly new to me. Um, uh, we've been doing them for a little over a year now. But um, prior to the pandemic, there was provision to have hearings before the examining divisions, um, so ex parte proceedings uh, by video conference, and mm-hmm. uh, we have a, a suite at, at Cartmel's that was used for that. Um, so it was established in a small way, but certainly not to the extent that it is now. Right. And and COVID-19 has, has caused all of us to catch up in a big way on technology. So, I mean, how has the European Patent Office responded to the pandemic? I, I'd say it's responded um, it's quickly and efficiently. There was obviously initial disruption. We all remember at the beginning of the uh, pandemic that um you know, things were very uncertain and we didn't know um, what was going to happen with international travel um, and with, with the virus. But um, the EPO swiftly put in uh, a pilot programme to hold oral proceedings by video conference um, in front of the opposition divisions and um, also the board of, Boards of Appeal in order to, to keep things moving while we mm-hmm. were all unable to travel um, and in many cases stuck at home. Uh, and the programme has been developed um, and improved uh, over the past uh, year and a bit. And the pilot programme has been extended and amended several times, especially regarding the rules on consent and whether parties need to consent to a hearing by video conference in order for that to happen. So um, am I am I right in thinking that everything is now happening by, by video conference? I mean, what happens if you as a party don't want proceedings by video conference for some reason? Well, that's, yes, that's an interesting question. And um, the answer is, is fairly complex, actually. There's different approaches before the opposition division and the examining divisions and um, the boards of appeal. But there are valid reasons why a party might not want to have their... Um, hearing held by video conference, for example, if it's a particularly complex case with a large number of opponents. Um, we've had cases like that that have worked very well, but uh, in some cases a party might not want to. At the moment, the issue is up in the air. The, the current sort of approach from the EPO is that hearings can be held by video conference without the consent of um, the parties, but that's being challenged in a referral to the Enlarged Board of Appeal. 
Uh, so we'll have more developments on that shortly. Yes, we'll wait we'll wait till that eagerly awaited decision appears and then we can have another episode. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you've obviously had some experience of, of virtual uh, oral proceedings this year. I mean, what, what first of all, maybe what's the technical setup like? Yeah, so the technical setup is uh, will feel very familiar to a lot of people. It's uh, the EPO has been is now using Zoom um, and you are sent a dial in in advance. We have new video conferencing suites specially set up at Carmel's. So we are normally all together in a room, but our clients and experts who we might want to have in um, the hearings will get their own video link and dial in. The EPO has even now introduced extra technology that allows simultaneous translation. So uh, there really are very few obstacles to, to having uh, oral proceedings by video conference. And have you, I mean, have you found that it, it works well as a format? How does it compare to doing hearings in person? Are there, what, are, what are the pros and cons? Yeah, it's um, in many ways, a lot of the um, approaches that we have at Cartmills are very well suited to oral proceedings by video conference. Um, so with a focus on very thorough preparation and knowing the documents and a clear and concise delivery. That goes across very well, I think, in uh, video conferences because we know that video conferences are more tiring um, and concentration can lapse. You know, the, you've got to keep the attention of the opposition division or the board. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a little adaptation, but um, I do think it works, it works very well. And um, we have experience of um, winning on newly raised complex points. So I don't think there's, in general, a concern that, that, it's, that it's difficult, you know, that it's more difficult to win a case uh, by video conference. It's also, I mean, a real advantage is that we're all together in a room and when the opponent is talking, uh, sorry, when the other side is talking, we have much more flexibility in how to use that time. So rather than sitting quietly, uh, formally in a hearing room, we can mute the mic, prepare, discuss within our team and discuss at the moment remotely with uh, clients and experts and can really use that time very well. Uh, in terms of interactions with the opposition division or board, it is different. You know, you lose that, you lose that personal touch of being in the room with somebody, but um, the EPO is very keen to ensure that parties have their right to be heard and they will be very careful to ensure that everybody's had had opportunity to speak and be heard. So it just takes a little adaptation. So for example, we can't see when the primary examiner has managed to find the right page in the document we're referring to. So we just have to wait and possibly ask and check. And, and do you find them harder to read as well? I guess when you're in the room, you can sort of pick up on facial features. I don't know what to what extent they give the game away anyway, but uh, do, do you find that works okay over video conference? Yes, we still we can still see their faces, um, particularly when they're in um, separate locations and it, when they each have a, a video feed. And using Zoom, it's possible to pin a certain video feed. So we'll often have a chair pinned so we can see the chair nice and big and see see the expressions going across their face, um, see whether they're following or, 
or not. And um, I mean, do you think do you think this is the way things are going to be in future? Is this is this the future of of oral proceedings at the EPO? Do you think this will outlast the pandemic? Another question that's very difficult to answer. Um, the the EPO is <laughs> going to be publishing an interim report on the opposition division video conferences very shortly. Uh, and there'll be a user consultation and a full report in the autumn. So it's very much a developing area and um, there's, there's no official word on what the future will hold. My, my guess would be that we'll certainly see opposition division hearings by video conference after the pandemic has ended. Mm. Um, the, the EPO has a, a huge backlog and it's much easier to... Um, to schedule and fit in hearings. So I think that they're, they're going to see the advantages of that, but there will probably be more flexibility than there is now for having hearings in person where there are good reasons to do that. Well, we, we will see, as you say, it's all going to be a, a moving picture as, as things hopefully gradually return to normal over the coming months. Thank, well, thanks very much, Isabel. Um, John, turning to you, I, I know that you recently attended a, a European general court hearing virtually. Uh, for, for those that don't know, the general court is a division of the European Court of Justice, which is in a rather impressive modernist looking building in Luxembourg. And uh, of course, in normal times, a trip to Luxembourg makes for a nice change from the office. But with the current travel restrictions, I I think the journey you were going to have to make, John, was going to be either impossible or, or extremely convoluted. Um, so I guess a place to start would be what, why were you there at, at the general court in the first place? Well, uh, so we've had a few hearings at the general court this year. Um, the general court does lots of things, but the thing that uh, interests us most is appeals from the EU IPO. So the cases that we've had this year have all been appeals from the cancellation division on trademark matters. Uh, so that, that's why we were there. And as to the journey, yes, I no direct flights. I think it was something like 72 hours of traveling and then take 10 days uh, in quarantine at the back end of it. So uh, I was more than grateful. But um, I guess more generally, it's worth saying that um, in terms of virtual hearings, trademark practitioners are, are fairly used to that. So our, our IPO is in a relatively small town in Wales. So pretty much all hearings have been done virtually for many years now, I think. Um, much more unusual for the EU IPO and for the general court, um, both because uh, people tend not to request hearings, but also because of of where they are situated. Yes, yes. Although, as you, as I say, going to, to Luxembourg, it's maybe more fun than a trip you might have made in the past to Newport for a, a UK intellectual property that office hearing. That's true. So what, what, was there anything particularly unusual about the recent hearing you attended at, at the General Court? Well, I mean, it was, it was interesting because the three cases that we've had this year are all involved uh, similar issues, the same three judges. So it was, it was pretty easy to compare the first two, which were face-to-face, with the third one, which was... Um, a hybrid, so some people attended and others didn't. Um, and I mean, overall, I was struck by how similar they were. So for a start, the IT worked perfectly. Slightly scary because if you're the person that's attending virtually, your uh, face is on a massive screen sitting above the judges, which is a bit odd. But it worked perfectly, actually, the IT. I think occasionally if you need translators, uh, they can get a little bit nervous because they 
you just need to be sure that the sound quality is perfect. Uh, but that worked. Mm. I mean, it has to be said that forum is, you know, th- this is not a place that you go to cross-examine people. It's not a place where you have witnesses and where face-to-face interaction might be more helpful. So, for example, in a high court case, you can imagine that would be more helpful. But I think it's more along the lines of the EPO. Both advocates or both parties' advocates say their piece and then answer questions direct to them. Um, but, but I mean, it worked perfectly and, and interesting to compare the two. And, I mean, do you think there were any sort of disadvantages to attending virtually? I mean, you, you mentioned that some of the other parties were, were actually there in person. Did it really make a difference, do you think? I don't think it did at all. I mean, you might argue that it's not so easy to read the judges. That's not really a thing at the general court. They, they tend to play it pretty straight and it's not really an interactive environment. So, no, I, I, I didn't think it did. And, and obviously, you know, this is a, a court that serves many European countries. And so one is struck by how crazy it is that we're all flying in to one or two cities in order to attend these hearings, when in fact, if only to save the planet, uh, we could do it virtually. And, it, and it's been proven to work. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a good point, actually. We haven't sort of mentioned that as a, an advantage of all of this. I guess those practitioners that are based near the courts, whether it's the Luxembourg courts or the, the patent office in, in Munich, might, might have other ideas. Did you want to say something on that, Isabel? Well, yeah, I think in addition to the obvious environmental benefits, there's probably something to be said about um, advantages for diversity um, in terms of there are, there are some people who might find it more difficult because of um, family or other commitments to travel to mm. the extent that that's necessary if you have a high EPO opposition caseload, certainly. So um, having that extra flexibility, I think, could be a benefit there as well. Yeah, I mean, it struck me that this this is a bit of a, if you like, a democratisation of hearings um, by force of, of COVID-19. But um you know, more more people, as you say, who might not otherwise have been able to attend can now be involved. And I suppose just from from a client perspective, um, if they're wanting to attend and they're in another country and they don't want to make the trek over to Europe, um, they could do that, right? Absolutely. It makes it so much easier, although the, the um, clients in California might disagree given the time that they have to be awake. But, <laughs> That's um, true. Uh, you know, it, it does make it much easier. You can You can have a bigger team involved if you want to. Um, it's very easy to have a, an expert uh, involved and perhaps in future, even when we have video conference proceedings, perhaps we might have um, clients travelling to our London office so that we can all be together, which has its benefits as well for the preparation. Yeah, and I suppose it's good for, for trainee patent and trademark attorneys as well who wouldn't necessarily have otherwise been able to go on, on these trips. They can kind of sit in and listen and, and learn um, from, from their more senior colleagues. Well, I think, unless either of you's got anything else to add, that's that's probably all we've got time for today. So thank you very much to you both, Isabel and John, for sharing your experiences and insights. And as ever, thank you to all of our listeners for, for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Cartmels in Conversation and look forward to welcoming you back soon. Mm-hmm.